Hello everyone and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast, where we hear from all types of fascinating tango professionals and community leaders. We hear about their experiences, their insights, and through that we figure out ways to improve our own tango. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back, all you returning listeners, and greetings to all you first-timers. Really glad you're here, and please check out some of our earlier episodes. Lots of good stuff there. All right, my guest today is a tango teacher, performer, and DJ. She grew up surrounded by the sound of tango music, and in her 20s, she was inspired to pursue tango dancing. She has worked with a number of famous masters, and with a strong background in yoga and Pilates, she has also gained a deep understanding of body kinesthetics and body awareness. She has taught at dozens of festivals and workshops around the globe, and she organizes immersive tango tours in Buenos Aires. And with me now is Maria Oliveira. Maria, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. It's great to be talking to you. Thank you very much for calling me and, you know, getting a hold of me to do this interview. It's a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Great. You're enjoying a nice spring right now in Buenos Aires. I'm jealous. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have to be because it's just amazing. Blue skies, perfect weather, 22 degrees centigrade, you know, unbelievable. Great, great. (laughs) It's beautiful outside in a coffee shop in Palermo, yeah. Mm, Great, great. Yeah, so Maria, how did you fall in love with this dance? (laughs) <laughs> I think I was born in love with this dance. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's that, that's the real answer. Uh, you know, I always tell the same story. I grew up listening to it. My dad was a tango guy, not a dancer, but um, he loved the music so deeply and the poetry of it mm. that we would hear that all the time at home when we when I was a child. And then I, you know, my life went by and I started studying other things and I became a political scientist and I wasn't uh, in the tango world for a long, long time or even mm. listening to the music. But... Um, at some point, one day I was bored having a drink with a friend and she said, hey, I want to pick up my tango classes again. And I said, oh, that would be cool. I always <laughs> wanted to do that, you mm-hmm. know. And then day, a day after, she was sending me this list that she found on the Internet of places to go. And that's how I came into my first class. And I never missed a class since. Wow. <laughs> you <know>? yeah, so <laughs> while yeah. you were growing up, when you were little, did you ever try dancing just for fun? Well, I was, you know, I studied a little bit of ballet when I was eight. Mm. Um, and I always loved dancing other dances. I studied, as a matter of fact, the first dance I did taking classes was swing mm. or what we here call rock and roll. And then I did a little bit of salsa. Didn't didn't really enjoy it all that much. I didn't enjoy the swing. But uh, yeah, I always enjoyed dancing. I think I've always felt I am a dancer. Mm. And then when, when tango came into my life, I chose that one to be my life you know nice nice yeah yeah, yeah. what was your it's, what was that very first tango lesson like you remember it was amazing because uh you know i got in i have this thing of always being early everywhere which is rare for an argentine anyway <laughs> <laughs> but i have that thing i'm very punctual so i was in I, I came to the class and i was the first one in the studio it was a a small studio in Palermo, all the mm. lights were still off. So I was sitting in this sort of patio the place mm-hmm. had. And then uh, at some point, the teacher and his partner came in. And uh, it was amazing because I introduced myself, no tango shoes, no anything. And so when he turned the music on, you know, I heard the song that he was playing. And that song was one of the songs that I used to listen when I was a, a child with oh. my dad. So 
I immediately started singing the song, mm. you know, <laughs> and uh, and then I always say the same thing. The minute I was there and the music came on and the lights came on, I knew there was something waiting for me there. I didn't mm. know what it was. Mm-hmm. had no idea what it was going to mean in my life, but I knew it was for me. You know, it was yeah. waiting, calling me and waiting for me. So in the end, I, you know, it was magical. It was a really magical moment. Nice. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I knew I was not going to leave that place anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was 16 years ago, by the way. 16 years ago. Wow. Yeah. So when you started that that lesson and, you know, did did the dance come naturally to you or? The dance came in naturally. I Mm -hmm. didn't have a hard time learning the basics of how to follow, but Mm -hmm. I am a bit of a perfectionist. Yeah. So still these days, I don't think uh, I don't think anybody is a totally accomplished dancer. Mm -hmm. There is always a little bit more to learn. You know, that's something that as a teacher, I always keep in mind also, because when I teach, I always teach my students, but I'm also self-teaching, you know, myself because it's uh, it's a never-ending thing. So, I mean, it wasn't difficult, but I did become obsessed. Mm-hmm. And so I practiced so much for so many hours during a whole year, like six hours a day. Yeah. And that made me improve pretty quickly. And then and soon after that, I started become I became an assistant teacher for my teacher mm-hmm. and then I started co-teaching with him so and then we had a career together for 13 years it took some work because I wanted to do it right mm-hmm. let's put it that way yeah I I wasn't I wasn't uh, going to be happy if I did it mm, you know in a mediocre way right yeah, yeah. I don't like that mm-hmm. yeah Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what were you, yeah, you said yeah. you're studying political science where, so were you, so you must've been on track for a completely different career before you fell in love with tango. Exactly. I, I am a political scientist. That's my background. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my, my studies have, I have a degree on that. So, you know, Pedagogically speaking, I studied, well, when I was in, in uh, elementary and high school, I started studying English mm-hmm. for 12 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that was my first non-formal school uh, thing. And then I became a political scientist. I studied mm-hmm. uh, as a political scientist and I became one. So, yeah, I was into politics for a long time. Mm-hmm. So when tango came into my life, it was a big <laughs> switch, you know, a big shift to something totally different, mm-hmm. much happier, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> much happier way of living, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then everything that came with it, the traveling, the meeting people from all over the world, you know, yeah. it, it's just so rewarding as a profession and as a career that, yeah, yeah. that this is where I'm staying, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, just yeah. with your background as a political scientist, like in the, within the history of, of Argentina, how has, you know, the, I guess the political situation there or, or throughout the history, has that affected the dance? I, well, I, I don't know if it has affected the dance mm-hmm. as an activity, but it, well, yes, of course, because of the economy. Yeah. If you take into account the economy, of course, mm-hmm. there are ups and downs in the dance world, yeah. according to how much money people have in their pockets. But, mm-hmm. um... The dance itself as an activity, I don't think it has been so much influenced by the political situation. But okay. yes, what has affected the the tango world, you know, according to the political situation, is the music and the poetry. 
that is mm-hmm. that has had always a lot to do with it the music because depending again on the economy and you know whether it was allowed or not in the history to have a nightclub opened and go late hours etc yeah. uh, then you mm-hmm. would have a big orchestra or a very small orchestra or, or musicians who start touring and traveling and so they would not play live anymore in Buenos Aires Mm. Uh, so that of course affected the tango world itself and the poetry you know the poetry of the 1930s and 1940s (laughs) is fully influenced by the the social context and the political context there are lyrics in the tango that Mm -hmm. uh, talk about that yeah literally talk about that so yes of course it's it's a cultural tango it's a cultural phenomenon Mm -hmm. so as such of course, it takes from everything. It takes from the traditions of the people. It takes from the politics. It takes from the immigrants. Mm-hmm. It's a big melting pot of all those things, yeah, you know. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. what was your very first time at a milonga like? Scary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was very scary. I remember, you know, I, the first time I went to a milonga, I had taken maybe three classes, I want to say. It was a Christmas Eve milonga oh. uh, celebration. Mm-hmm. And so the teacher took the whole group and I was with the group and I had this special partner that I was practicing with a lot, mm-hmm. but he did not dare dancing in the floor that night. So oh. I was sitting out all the time, you know, mm-hmm. I was, and I was, I wanted to do it. You know that uh, adrenaline thing that you feel yes. when you want to do something, but you, you know you're not good enough? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but you still want to risk it, you know, and mm-hmm. dare you do it. So then another friend took me out on the floor and it was okay, but that wasn't the memorable one. The memorable one was at the end of the night when the teacher actually takes me out on the oh. floor. And oh my God, I was shaking. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I was shaking so much that mm-hmm. it was noticeable. And so by the end of the first song, he looks at me and he says, Hey, are you shaking? And I went like, no. And I was clanking my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, after, yeah, but after that experience, did you think, yes, I, I want to keep doing this? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I knew it was for me. Like I said, you know, mm-hmm. it, I like that idea of uh, challenging myself into something I don't feel totally comfortable with mm-hmm. until I do. So, yeah, no, I, it, it didn't scare me enough to quit. <laughs> yeah. It was scary, but not frustrating. Okay. That the thing. That, that's yeah. important. Good, good. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I like what you yeah. said earlier, Maria, about, you know, there's always something new to learn with this dance. So, Oh, yeah. So during your own tango journey earlier in your career, what's some really good or some memorable advice that's that changed your dancing for the better that you remember? Oh, well, a lot. But I, you know, if I have to give you my gut answer to that, there are two pieces of information. One that is very technical, but uh, that's stuck with me ever since I heard it. And this was like a, a long time ago, one of my teachers was the first one telling me the importance of engaging your core in a dance, right? Uh-huh. So that's pure techniques. And I never forgot the way she did it. She was a, a bit a, a bit funny when she did it. So, mm-hmm. uh, so that... <laughs> I remember walking out in the street, you know, holding my core strong and thinking about the, you know, hearing mm-hmm. the voice of my teacher telling me, "Hey, you know, yeah. <laughs> engage your abdominals, engage your abdominals, engage your abdominals," mm-hmm. and I could hear her saying that when I was walking in the street, and I still do, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that was one, and then another piece of very important information for me that you know really striking mm-hmm. was uh, a piece, you know, something that I don't know if you're familiar with, Guillermina Quiroga. Mm. Uh, oh yes, I know the name. I know the name. 
Yeah, a really, yeah. really famous dancer. Mm -hmm. She's a stage performer and also a really amazing milongera. And uh, mm -hmm. anyway, she's a she's a big name in the tango world. And mm -hmm. I was taking this class with her once. And I am pretty rococo when I when it comes to decorations and stuff like that. I I tend to be hyperactive okay. on that. And you know, she was teaching the class, and she was actually teaching decorations for followers. And mm -hmm. at some point, she said, sometimes if you're smart, the best decoration is no decoration at all oh you know and that mo that in, in that took me into that space where you can actually start feeling the importance of what's happening inside and then mm -hmm. put it in your body in a way that it shows even if you're still you know even in stillness there is beauty mm -hmm. and there is con well of course there is connection and but that's what you feel from the inside but in the outside when you see a couple that is just simply breathing together and standing still mm -hmm. it can be pretty magical you know so that because of how different it was from the perspective that i mm -hmm. had before that is something that stays with me until today and i'm and i'm still on the on the search of it you know for yeah. myself mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah i like that yeah, yeah it's sometimes yeah. The best yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah because sometimes we, we get carried away yeah you less, know, both yeah. there's the idea of less is more you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah what are some other bad tango habits that you used to have and how did you get over them? <laughs> I remember when I first, I'm short, you know, I'm 5'1", I'm mm -hmm. and I've always had this idea that because I'm short, I could not walk long steps. So I, I was totally um, uh, stubborn and mm -hmm. I didn't want to take the advice of my teacher saying you can uh, reach a little longer steps if you want to. And of course, that took me a while to understand. I, I used to walk with very short steps until mm -hmm. in the end I found a way uh, to, to really relax my free leg and let it go with the energy of my leader and so mm -hmm. on. Uh, and then now it's usually the, the, the case is the opposite. I have to control it so it's not as long. Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> I think I can take steps that are way longer than my legs. Okay. <laughs> Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about work, you know. This dance mm -hmm. is just about hearing what your teachers tell you and mm -hmm. taking that, sleeping with it, and yeah. and you know, little by little, the ideas, you mm -hmm. know, come down to your body and and it works in a different way. And sometimes you take a class today, mm -hmm. they tell you something that you think you understand, but it's. Mm -hmm only three years later that later that you that you find yourself doing yeah you know what your teacher told you three years ago mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. so it's always just trying to stay fresh and open-minded to the ideas of improving yeah you know? absolutely mm -hmm. yeah yeah so maria so mm -hmm. a lot of the listeners to this podcast they're um beginners who are like you just when you were beginning just kind of getting obsessed they're really getting interested in tango um, but they might still be a little shy about coming to milongas and as you know it's really right. important to use this dance in a social in a social environment mm -hmm. to get better so what are some things that you do to help your students uh, build the confidence to come dancing uh, at milongas more often well, it depends on where you are, I guess, because okay. there is uh, there is a, there are very many differences in the way people build community depending on where you are in the world. Well, let's put it this way: if we are thinking about a small community somewhere in the U.S., you yeah. know, like in a small town in mm -hmm. Minnesota, I don't know. Okay. In that case, people who haven't been to a milonga can be pretty confident that the minute they step in, they are going to be embraced. Mm -hmm. You know, they are going to be welcomed and the community builders of the place are going to be into keeping them in the house because mm -hmm. it's important 
you know, for, for groups that are growing, yeah. it's very important to have newcomers all the time. So mm-hmm. uh, in those places, it could be challenging, but it's also super nice because people who might be, I don't know, maybe too busy with life or mm-hmm. a little lonely, mm-hmm. uh, then then really, really quickly, they find a, a belonging, a sense of belonging to that community because it's super welcoming. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you're talking about Buenos Aires, for example, that is very different because here, this is something that I always tell my students who come from abroad, which is here the community has been on for the last, what, a hundred years, right. I say. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not desperate for newcomers. And mm-hmm. that's something people need to understand. Here, the community is about friendship and of, and of places that you... You're, let's say, you're determined enough to pursue and then become a member. Mm-hmm. So you need to go to a milonga several times until they they know that you're not just there for once and then you're leaving, yeah, right? Right. I mean, you can go once and never go again, mm-hmm. but but it's you're never going to become a regular or local or somebody they will be embracing. You might have a great night dancing, mm-hmm. but that's it. You know, you're gone. Yeah. Uh, it's a dance one night stand, let's say. <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay, that's a very good uh, way of putting it. Yeah. But if you're looking for that welcoming sense, it's very different here because the mm-hmm. locals don't really need the newcomers in order mm-hmm. to have a good time. Yeah. Right. So what you need to do is change your perspective when you go to the first to Amilonga in Buenos Aires for the first time mm-hmm. and sit and look and observe and learn how people do the social aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cabeceo, the interaction, you know, where people are sitting, how mm-hmm. is the arrangement of the house. Mm-hmm. And then little by little, if you endure that, which you probably do if you're positive about it, you know, mm-hmm. Then you, you then you find it fun because it's part of the game, part of the interesting thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not about dancing, 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 dancing many hours from day yeah. one, right? If you if you learn to merge in the culture, then you become a member really soon. It's not that it will take you years to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. So in that case, then it's super interesting because the minute you start feeling like a local, even though you might not be one. Mm-hmm. Then it's it, that is when you discover the magic of it, and that is mm-hmm. when you get the fever. You know, yeah. when you need to go dancing like all, every day for as long as you can for three milongas back to back, and all mm-hmm. that. You know? yeah. yeah. And even that, and even if you know, for beginners in Buenos Aires, Argentine mm-hmm. beginners here, uh, what I would do normally with my students, I would take them to the milongas. I would introduce mm-hmm. them to the place. It's I like I enjoy the the idea of letting them know how to you know teaching them how to to do the cabeceo, where to sit, mm-hmm. what's most convenient, you know, what the music is going to be like, yeah. the flow of it, why the DJ is playing what he's DJ, what he's playing, etc. So, mm-hmm. uh, so they also have a sense of understanding where they are before they hit the floor, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, because it's because to me it's not only again it's not only about the sports of dancing, mm-hmm. it's more about the social context and the culture. Yeah. Uh, around the dance that makes it so special and so magical mm-hmm. you know? yeah absolutely yeah i remember when i was starting out just like you said there's some people who just like to dance 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 that was me until i started talking to people right. like oh maybe i should get to know the people in this community <laughs> instead of just <laughs> seeing how many tandas exactly. i can do before i die yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah staying until the, the very last tanda of the old night belongs right <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, Maria, you've traveled to so many different places to teach many people. 
what are some things you notice or perhaps some either techniques or perhaps some, uh, let's see, some ways of thinking that you see in students that you find yourself always having to correct or address? Well, put it this way. Mm -hmm. In tango, you have as many approaches as people dancing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So... What I always find is that there is a tendency of some teachers and some communities mm -hmm. to overbelieve in some concepts that become like the Bible of the mm -hmm. dance. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, for example, you know, the things that I keep hearing wherever I go, it's like, yeah, you have to reach with your leg to take a long step. Mm -hmm. You have to uh, push off of the floor mm -hmm. or the embrace should look this way and the arm goes here and, you know, the, the ochos should be done this or that way. And the one thing that I always encourage students wherever I go is to never marry with the first idea, right? Mm -hmm. So what I encourage people is to try to find defaults where you can actually adapt to dancers of very different techniques and very different schools. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so you can dance more because if you get stuck in the idea of, okay, I dance this style or that style, mm -hmm. then what you're doing is just shortening the opportunities of having fun in the dance floor, yeah. right? Let's say I only dance, put it, a, put it a label, let's say I only dance Milonguero style because I am... I've been told that that's the only real tango that it exists. Mm -hmm. Well, then I go to a festival and in, uh, there are a hundred dancers in the floor and I can only enjoy dancing with 10. Why? Uh, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Where if I keep my mind open to other possibilities that it's just about movement anyway, mm -hmm. you know, it won't be any different than that. Maybe I have a blast at dancing with somebody who dances tango nuevo, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Although that may not be my primary choice, right. but it doesn't mean that I cannot enjoy it, you mm, know? Exactly, yeah. So that's one thing I always bump into, the mm -hmm. trying to unlabel things. Okay. I don't like the labels, and mm -hmm. that's something that I, I always try to do when I travel. Yeah, yeah. It's not be religiously mm -hmm. attached mm -hmm. to one method, yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, the other thing is when I see something that I know, you know, if it's some methodology, I see that it's becoming risky for the body. Mm -hmm. uh, it's hurt. It might hurt the students in a way. Right. Then, of course, I try hard to always teach people how to dance and be safe regardless mm -hmm. of their age and their shapes and yeah. and all that you know yeah absolutely mm -hmm. yeah yeah i love what you said earlier and it's really great when i hear you and other teachers say that you yourselves I mean, we look up to you as teachers but you yourselves are still uh learning when it comes to this dance which is a great thing for for students to hear so uh, oh this, all the time yeah, yeah yeah so despite your many years of experience maria what what's something new that you've learned recently Maybe within the last few months or years. Well, in the last year, I've been working with an amazing teacher and I've been taking his classes pretty much every week for, mm. for about six months. And, uh, well, of course, I've been working on different ways of refining my walk with mm -hmm. different techniques from the ones that I would normally use, which is always the thing. Mm -hmm. And I've been working on ways of refining my turns and, you know, having my legs a little bit more up in the air, which I never do. And I don't get mm. to do it on milongas because I don't believe on it, but I do enjoy the idea of knowing how to do it really well and mm -hmm. how to be able to, in case 
the space allows me. So that's one thing. And then, of course, these days when I go and take a class, it's, I, I'm not only uh, studying how to refine my movement and my mm -hmm. technique, but I'm also studying how to become a better teacher every day, uh -huh. right? So, so I hear whatever the teacher is teaching and how he or she is teaching it, and mm -hmm. I would pick ideas from their methodology. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I, For example, I heard this teacher saying something that really stuck with me uh, mm -hmm. in the last few months, which was like, I always try to tell my students, keep your shoulders down, right? Mm -hmm. We always do that because we'd have this tendency to bring the shoulders up yeah. about <laughs> tension and all that. And then he said, well, you know, the shoulders close to your ears actually show weakness. Mm. If you're not weak, your your shoulders are going to be down, and and that was like a really really interesting concept for me. So mm. again, I'm learning that helped me keeping my shoulders down, and it also mm -hmm. helps me teaching other people to do it. Right? Because uh -huh. yeah. there is something I know, which is I cannot teach something that my body doesn't understand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. yeah. I need to process things through my body before I can actually convey them to other people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. Good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, kind of uh, building on that and communicating with students. Uh, so, in all of your travels and all of your years of teaching, Maria, what are some important lessons you've learned from your own students? Oh, like an everyday thing. It would be hard mm -hmm. to pick the most important one. Mm -hmm. For example, let me the simple things that sometimes you don't realize. Well, the first time I went traveling to the U.S. to teach mm -hmm. with my partner. You know, being Argentine and taking it for granted that because we were Argentine, we were going to be super appreciated mm -hmm. because of that. And because, of, yeah, of course, we're Argentine. We know about this, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't two weeks in to the tour and we said, okay, we have a lot to learn here. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not because of, uh, I mean, of course, because of the dance, but that wasn't primarily the the, the aspect, but it was really important to understand the cultural differences of how to approach a student, what language you would use to communicate, what mm -hmm. things were proper to say and what were not. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, I learned that in the U.S. it wasn't already back then mm -hmm. politically correct to, to talk about the man and the woman, but you mm -hmm. had to talk about the follower and the leader, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was something that here we mm -hmm. didn't, back then, now it's, it of course, it became a little more normal, but back then it wasn't even something you would think about. Mm -hmm. So that is one thing that always felt super important to understand that the people you're talking to have a different perspective of things mm -hmm. and they are going to give you back. Like we hear we are a little bit more harsh in the way we communicate, yeah. right? Yeah. Whereas, in, whereas in other countries, people are more sensitive to harshness, you <laughs> yeah. know, so you need to soften your your vocabulary in order mm -hmm. to not offend your students, because what you don't want as a teacher, what I don't want as a teacher ever is to frustrate my students. Right. You know, uh, somebody some at some point wrote that people come into tango for a hundred different reasons, mm -hmm. but there is always one why they quit, which is frustration. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Whoever quits, quits because of frustration, Yeah. right? And, and of course, we don't want anybody to quit. So to me, that is something super important to make sure that I, I relate to my students and I observe them mm -hmm. enough so that I can understand how to reach out to them without frustrating them, hurting their feelings, mm -hmm. keeping, it, keeping them engaged, not boring them down. Right. You know, yeah. it, is a, it is a pretty interesting form of art, the one of teaching. 
you know. Mm -hmm. So that's super important. Yeah. And uh, yeah, traveling, of course, because if, if you enjoy that part, mm -hmm. traveling opens your mind all the time because yeah. you're in communication with people from different countries, different climates, different mm -hmm. ways of interacting, and you have to adapt to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that must be really interesting. You get to see how you know, local cultures how they influence or how they have an effect on on the way they dance tango that must be really interesting for you absolutely yeah and uh there is one thing that i always say and i and some people may take offense of what i say but no, i don't okay. mean it first of all <laughs> i don't mean it I, i'm not generalizing it's no, not okay. like everybody does it the same mm -hmm. way but i mm -hmm. i always find there is a difference that is the one thing that to me explains why people mm -hmm. After they visit Buenos Aires, they go like, "Oh yeah, now I understand," mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, which is the, the the approach to tango in the world normally is a, le a little bit more sportive. I want to say, okay, you know, where here it's more social. Mm. People here don't go dance because they want to be fit and because they want to show their legs swinging in the air. People here go dance because they want to hang out with other people, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and communicate and make friends and, you know, find a match or whatever. But it's always because of a social thing. Yeah. And in other countries, it's more of a sport, a yeah. form of exercising, right? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And then there is the other thing, which is the music, the appreciation of the music. Mm -hmm. the, in our culture... When you think, when you say you're going to be dancing this dance, say salsa, say tango, say mm -hmm. folk dances, say, I don't know, bachata, whatever it is, yeah. it is going to be to specific music that fits that dance. Mm -hmm. So the dance is named after the music genre, right? Right. Whereas in other countries, because of the ballroom tradition, that is not as important. Right. So people will tell you I'm dancing tango and the music behind is Britney Spears, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and to me, that's mind blowing. It's like, what? Mm. No, that doesn't fit. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I can do that. Mm. <laughs> and it's because, again, it's a cultural difference. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like we just said about you know emphasizing the social aspect. I would host uh, tango uh, milongas in dance studios, and then I would also host them at places like bars or, or restaurants right. and again the studios were beautiful it was a great place to practice but personally I've always had a much better time and I think I sense that with some of the people who go I sense they have a much better time in places like a bar or at a, at a, uh, mm -hmm. at a restaurant there's just something about that atmosphere of, of like you said being social and just having a glass of wine and and chatting exactly oh, we dance a little bit then we drink some more then we talk and then we dance a little bit more and exactly yeah it is a little cozier i want to say yeah uh and then definitely yeah the, for example the studios have everything has its ups and downs and it's mm -hmm. you know good and bad in a in a ballroom studio you you're guaranteed to have a perfect floor right yeah so your yeah. feet are going to last long hours you're never going to get hurt it's okay mm -hmm. the size is pretty it's pretty big so you're your, your space is guaranteed. Yeah. But then you cannot guarantee the cabeceo because usually in ballroom studios, they don't allow the organizers to put tables around the floor. So then there mm -hmm. is no chance of that. For mm -hmm. example, where in a bar, you're sitting around. And yeah. yeah, like you said, you're having a glass of wine and then you look at the, the table across the mm -hmm. dance floor and you signal somebody and they say okay we're dancing right yeah so yeah it's a very different atmosphere mm -hmm. it also happens in buenos aires i mean yeah. we don't we don't do milongas in like ballroom studios it's always a dance venue mm -hmm. or a bar but according to the arrangements it all it also happens that it has a different atmosphere and mm -hmm. some places 
here we call it they have you know this place has the tango on it yeah uh, and some places don't it it's just something that is inexplicable and you enter a venue and you go like yeah this this feels and breathes tango mm, you okay. know <laughs> and this other place doesn't yeah you know? yeah. yeah just out yeah, of curiosity yeah. how how easy is it to find like a, a venue like a bar or a restaurant in buenos aires for for tango how, how willing are people uh to to there open? Are, yeah there are many places many mm -hmm. many many venues where you could host a milonga mm -hmm. but the tango world already has their favorites let's say okay so there are places that have always had a milonga like you're thinking about salon canning has yeah. had milongas there for 40 something years mm -hmm. and uh so you know that's the favorite of everyone so mm -hmm. el beso where you have like 14 milong 14 milongas a week at yeah. el beso because you have the <laughs> You have the one early in the afternoon, and then you have the you know the night shift. So, mm -hmm. and uh, some places in San Telmo. Like we have, if you're looking to organize a milonga, you would try to go to these places that are already known for already mm -hmm. having had one, yeah. right? Until somebody comes out with a new one that they found and it's gorgeous and beautiful and it works and people go and it becomes popular and it's yeah. one more. Okay. Yeah, it's not difficult to find a venue. It might be expensive, mm. uh, and then the and then there is always a trick of knowing if people are going to like it or not. Yeah, that's challenging. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, so mm -hmm. Maria, I want to talk a little bit about your tango tours. You have a, uh, an experienced guide like yourself. You're from Buenos Aires. You know all mm -hmm. the great places to go. So, oh uh, yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about how, how that works? Well, that is, an, believe me, I'm so excited about the one we're having coming up now mm -hmm. in December 4. Okay. Uh, it's a super interesting experience where what we do with my business partners is we don't only do the dance experience because here is the thing. A lot of people come to Buenos Aires and they only wake up at three o'clock, go have coffee and then go to the milonga and they will go to bed at 6 a.m. after only dancing, right? Mm -hmm. Which is great because mm -hmm. it gives you a lot of hours on the floor, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. But I also think that you don't get to really understand why all that tango happens in the city unless you know the city and a bit of its, of its history, mm -hmm. right? And of its culture. So what we do with the immersion is, yes, of course, we dance like crazy, mm -hmm. but we also visit places in uh, from the perspective of the tango history and mm. like we do a walk through one of the hot spots for mm -hmm. tourism here which is the recoleta cemetery okay. which is beautiful and you know we do that visit but we do it seeking for tango references inside the cemetery right oh, okay. uh, and historical references about that mm -hmm. so it becomes a bit more important then we do a talk with tango dancers from the old times and mm -hmm. they nurture us with their experiences and mm. you know activities like that where we're not only just putting our shoes on and going to dance like crazy and coming back home with nothing but a lot of hours in of bad habits right right <laughs> yes. the same thing mm. uh so we try to nurture our dance from from a more soulful perspective, okay. put it that way. And of course, we do a lot. And this year, for the first time, we're including in the package, we're also including four days of relaxation and a boot camp yeah. uh, in Colonia del Sacramento, which is a historical town in Uruguay across the river, 45 mm. minutes right on a ferry. Okay. And, uh, and there we do the big training program uh, with four hours of classes. But again, it's not only four hours of dance classes. There are going to be classes about just musicality, 
policy, about etiquette, about how to manage the space in a milonga. So there will be a lot of dancing and also a lot of understanding how to make your dance really work. Nice. And then the other thing is that, you know, the way I find it very interesting for people who sometimes don't dare come into the city by themselves because mm -hmm. it could be pretty intimidating when I mm -hmm. say this is a big city right. and there are so, so many options of tango dancing in Buenos Aires that if you don't have somebody that takes you to places and suggests you mm -hmm. where to go and how to make the most out of your time in that place, mm -hmm. you may end up going to all the wrong places, ah, okay. right? Because it's not that every milonga is for everyone. Yep. The milongas here are very clear in, let's say, the age range that visits them mm -hmm. uh the style of dancing the type of music the dress code uh -huh. the way of arranging the seats so you need to find what's more comfortable for you or you need to be taught and coached on how to deal with the ones where you're not going to mm -hmm. be so familiar with right so what we do is we pick the milongas we handpick the milongas we take people into so we know that they are going to have a good time yeah. right with enough good look good uh obs observation time mm -hmm. and field work and a lot of hours in the dance floor as well right okay so it's it's important that is regardless of who coaches you when you come for the first time for Buenos Aires it's mm -hmm. I would rather suggest someone who has never been here before to try to have somebody mm -hmm. giving them hints and tips on how, where to go uh, and how to do it in each place because it's very different yeah. and uh, you don't want to, I've, I've heard people leaving BA saying yeah no I didn't have a good time I didn't get enough dances I, it was very confusing mm -hmm. and that is not because they couldn't have had a great time it's just because they went to the wrong place you yeah. have to you, you know you have to understand there are 35 milongas on a Saturday night here mm -hmm. so you know <laughs> <laughs> literally so if you don't know where to go you might probably you have 34 chances of making a mistake yeah right yeah <laughs> right. Wow. so yeah yeah so that is the point of the immersion to give people the idea of what it is to dance here have fun here and understand why all that tango happens and happened through the history here you know mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. good. good all right so maria mm -hmm. this has been a lot of fun so where do we find out more about you online and how do we sign up for your wonderful tango tours well, anything you want to know about me, uh, it's you're going to find it on the internet of these days, of course. And mm -hmm. my website is tangomaria.com. Mm -hmm. And there you have all the information. You have everything about the immersions and then the private immersion tours, which are pretty much the same program, but for single people that want to come just one-to-one, -one, right? They don't want to travel with a group okay. that I always also host those here. And then, of course, the classes and then the tours. I will be on tour starting early March next year in the mm -hmm. U.S. and then the second half of the year probably be in Europe. So wow. all that information. And then my blog spot where I write about some of the things we've been talking about here mm -hmm. and share personal experiences. And uh, new uh, one new thing that I'm very excited mm -hmm. with is this project that I started working on, which is called As We Say in Argentina. Mm -hmm. And these are short videos where I explain people the meaning of common expressions that we use in Buenos Aires uh -huh. uh, that are, are related to cultural things like TV shows, politicians, music, poetry. Mm -hmm. And you know when you say something because it was said on TV 35 years ago uh -huh. and it, you in your culture know exactly what you're talking about when you share that with somebody, with someone else. But people who haven't seen that show, they don't understand. Right? Yeah, yeah. So 
I'm working on this and I'm uploading videos every two nice. weeks or so explaining this. And more, most of them come from the tango, mm -hmm. the tango language anyway. So I'm all those are also available on my website. Nice. Anything. That's great. Anything you want to know about me is there in tangomaria.com. <laughs> okay, tangomaria.com. <laughs> and of course, you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram and all that. You know, I'm, okay. I'm pretty much of a geek. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, well, I'll have your, your uh, website and your Facebook. And I have the links to that in our show notes so people will be able to look you up and sign up for your tours and learn more about thank you, you. thank you very much yeah, yeah. Well, for this one in december we still have two slots open okay uh, for last minute uh last minute enthusiasts okay. and then early in december we're going to be opening the pre-registration for the 2020 buenos aires colonia nice. immersion tour mm -hmm. and then of course private immersion tours are upon demand and according to people's schedule for traveling to buenos aires okay Great. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Maria, thank mm -hmm. you again so much for taking the time. I know you're super busy, but it's great that you were able to sit down and talk to me for a little while. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. And uh, again, thank you for reaching out. And uh, I hope we get to dance and see each other soon that would when be I'm great. there in the U.S. Yes. Yes. That'll <laughs> be great. All right, Maria. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you very much, Joe. Okay. Another great conversation. And we touched upon a lot of stuff. I really like what Maria said about there being beauty in stillness how the way we internalize tango influences the way it looks on the outside. And we should focus on that rather than trying to create the feeling of tango through external means, such as exaggerated movements or through too many adornments. I also liked Maria's thoughts on how to figure out which milonga to attend if you're visiting Buenos Aires, that on any given night, there are dozens to choose from. And it's not about going to the hottest or most famous venues Rather, it's important to find a milonga that suits the style of dance that we currently prefer. I really like the way Maria articulated that, and having that mindset is really reassuring for anyone who's seriously considering a trip to Buenos Aires. So thank you again, Maria, for your time and for sharing your thoughts. And thanks to all you listeners for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a quick moment to subscribe, and please leave a five-star rating and review if you haven't already. That helps out a lot. To help keep the podcast going, I'm also accepting donations through PayPal. There's a link in the description and also one on the podcast website. Thanks for your support. Okay, that's it for today. You've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>